0: Well, we are in part four of a series we've called Made for More. And and if you're new to our church, let me just catch you up. The last three weeks, this series is all about purpose. And I think it's been such an incredible focus for us these past few weeks because it feels like we live in an increasingly purposeless world. And I think it's the cry of our heart for so many of us that our lives have meaning and that our existence isn't just a chemical coincidence. And when we talk about purpose for the Christian, it's really twofold. And one of those is the general, the general purpose that God has given to the church. When Jesus walked this earth 2,000 years ago, he took upon himself a purpose, a mission from God the Father to seek and to save the lost. And he died for that mission and was raised up again and ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, but he passed the torch of that mission to the church Literally, by giving us the Holy Spirit. And so we believe that our relationship with God is not just about Jesus and me. That my relationship with God is not just about Jesus and me. If that were the case, then as soon as I put my hope in him, he would have taken me up so that I could be with him. But I'm still on this earth, and you're still on this earth, because we have a mission to complete. And hear me, our church does not have a mission. God's mission has a church. Let me just say that again. Our church does not have a mission. We do have a unique way where we live it out, but God's mission has a church. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is that we each have a unique part to play within that mission. And Paul, who we'll get to know a little bit today, he talks about how the church, not a building, the people of God is like a body. And each one of us are a different part. And no part of the body can say to another part, I have no need of you but we all need each other to work together to accomplish the mission that God has given us. And so my hope today is that we can bring some clarity, that we can answer this question. How do I discover my purpose? We're gonna be talking about about your specific contribution to the body of Christ. And to do that, we're gonna be following an early leader in the church named Paul. And we're gonna, he wrote a, um, a letter to the church in Ephesus, which is an ancient city in, in modern-day Turkey. But we're going to see how Paul talks about his own mission and his own calling. And hopefully, hopefully, it'll help us discover our own. You ready for that? All right, well, we're going to be in Ephesians 3 today. We'll start off in verse 1 and 2. This is Paul speaking. He says this. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Now, I know we don't use that word anymore, but Paul in his writings uses that word a lot. And 2,000 years ago, Paul was a part of the nation of Israel. He was a Jew, and the common understanding is that the God of Israel had only come for the Jewish people. And what, what Paul is saying is, This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, that when Jesus came, he broke down the dividing wall that was between Jews and Gentiles, so that because Jesus came for the entire world, not just for the Jews. And Paul's saying, This is the reason that I'm in ministry. This is the reason that I exist. And then he says this: For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you. Paul's saying, surely you've heard of my story. And that might have been true for his first audience. It might not be true for us today. And so we're just going to go back a little bit, 20 to 30 years, in a different book of the Bible, and just detail a little bit of Paul's life. He wasn't even called Paul at that time. He was called Saul. He went by his Jewish name. And we're just going to, I'm going to recap most of it for us, but then we'll be in Acts 9. Paul, or Saul, was living during the time that Jesus was living, and Paul and Jesus were not friends. In fact, Paul was probably in the group of people that um, were against Jesus, that persecuted Jesus, crucified Jesus. And ultimately, once the Holy Spirit comes and the early church starts to expand, Paul spearheads the effort to crush the early church. And he does a really good job. The church has to scatter out of Jerusalem to go anywhere and everywhere to try to get away from this persecution. And in the midst of all this, Paul, or Saul, is promoted. And he's given authority by the chief priest to go out into the countryside and to arrest Christians and to bring them back to Jerusalem so they could be tried or stoned. And and Paul is on his way to this big city called Damascus. And in the middle of this road, as he's on his way to go arrest Christians, a blinding light appears. And Paul falls to the ground and he hears a voice, it's the voice of Jesus that says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the blinding light disappears and the voice fades and Paul's friends go to pick him up and when they pick him up they realize that he's been blinded. And so they take him by the arm and they lead him to Damascus and Paul sits there for three days and three nights and he doesn't eat or drink until God taps a Christian in Damascus on the shoulder and tells him to go and pray for Paul. And so we pick up their conversation in Acts 9. His name is Ananias. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. You see what Ananias is getting at, right? Are you sure you want me to pray for this guy? Like, isn't there another Saul in Damascus who I could pray for? But look at what what God says to, to Ananias. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, for Saul is an instrument who I have chosen to bring my name before, there's that word again, before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Do you see what Paul is referring to? When he when he finds he's clear about his mission, but do you see where he got it from? This is this is the first thing that we learn from Paul's life that we find in Ephesians 3. Remember, we're trying to answer how do I discover my purpose? It starts with your story. It starts with your story. Specific purpose often starts with your personal story. Have you ever considered that? Oftentimes we think about purpose as something in front of us, as something that we have to go out and accomplish, but what we learn from Paul right here in Ephesians 3 is that it often is already a part of us. It often starts in our story. We'll skip a couple verses in Ephesians 3 and pick up in verse 6. This is Paul speaking again. He says, That is the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and they share in the same promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very, come on church, say it with me, least of all the saints, this grace was still given to me to bring the Gentiles the news of the boundless boundless riches of Christ Jesus. Why is Paul talking about his story Why is he reminding them of of where he's been? He's not trying to impress anyone. He's not trying to convince them of of how awesome he is. He's taking them back to the lowest point in his life where he was was on the hunt, rounding up Christians, killing Christians, and he's reminding the church of his starting point. Why? He's not leading in his strength. This is the second thing that that we learn from Paul. Paul. How do I discover my purpose? This is what Paul does, he stands in his weakness. He's not trying to impress anybody. Why is Paul not trying to impress anyone? Because it's almost impossible to impress someone and to impact them at the same time. In fact, they're not just played on two different courts, I think they're two totally different games. When we're trying to impress someone, we are trying to convince them of our own worthiness. When we're trying to impact someone, we're trying to convince someone of their own worthiness. They're two arrows pointed in totally different directions. I love this quote from Craig Groeschel. He's a pastor in Oklahoma. He says this. He says, we may impress people with our strengths, but we connect with them through our weaknesses. I think that's so true. Paul's not trying to impress anyone. Let Let me show you what Paul didn't do, just using my own life. This is what Paul didn't do. He didn't lead this way. This is, this is true about my own life. Did you know that in first grade, I was elected mayor of my class? Pretty impressive, huh? Mayor of my class. Do you know that in fifth grade, out of everybody in my grade, I was selected to skip school and to go to Calvin College. I know it's Calvin University. I still don't believe it. And to go to like a literary conference for the day. Huh? In eighth grade, I'm sure you can probably already tell just from looking at me, in eighth grade, I dominated on the basketball court, okay? My teammates, this is 100% true, they, call, they had a nickname for me. It was White Shack, okay? <laughs> dominated. Paul didn't do that, okay? This is what Paul did. Let me, just, let me just share those things with you in a different light. It's true that I was elected for mayor in my first grade class, but it was for a day, And what if I told you that for the rest of elementary and middle school, for whatever reason, I just didn't feel like I fit in? It was true that in fifth grade, I was selected for a day to go to this literary conference, but the next year in sixth grade, I wasn't. And in eighth grade, I did dominate on the basketball court, but that was the peak of my basketball career, because then everyone grew four inches after that. And I was moved from a center to a guard who couldn't dribble. What if I told you this? What if I told you that when I was growing up, I was so nervous about speaking in front of people? I was so nervous about what people would think of me that I could not even have a phone call with my extended family members. And when I would have something the next day, whether it was for choir or band or speaking in class, I could barely sleep. And then God called me into ministry. Can I tell you a little bit about where God found me and where he's brought me to? better yet, can I hear yours? You see, Paul's gotten to this place in Ephesians 3 where his weakness doesn't define him. It's still a part of his life. It's still a part of his story. The pain is still there. The memories are still there, but it doesn't define him. Something has happened. And it's this mentality that Paul brings that I think is so foreign to our world today that I think... If he were here today that this would be the one message that he would want to communicate to us because I think there's so much power in it. In fact, he he shares a little bit about this mentality in a in a different verse in a different letter, I should say, other than the one we're going to be looking at. And I just want to hear you I just want you to hear him talk about weakness. He says, "Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh." Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. He goes on to say this That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul has experienced something in his weakness that he wants to give to each one of us. And he prays this over the church in Ephesus. He he prays this shift to happen. And I'm going to show you the shift, and then I'm going to show you the verse. But this is what he's talking about with his own story. He brings us back to the lowest point of his story. Why? It's because he's been able to make this shift from more guilt to more love. Paul doesn't. He's not defined by his story. He doesn't feel any shame or any guilt. He's actually experienced God's love in such a way where he can share the, the hardest part of his life and use it as an example of what God has done. Look at what he prays for the church in Ephesus in verses 14 through 17. He says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family on earth takes its name. And I pray that according to the riches of his glory that he may grant that you would be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love Paul's praying for them to experience what he's experienced in his own story. He touches on two, two images that I, I don't want us to miss today. Being strengthened in your inner being and being rooted and grounded in love. What do those two things have in common? Both of those are unseen. Both of those are below the surface. Here's what's Paul's saying. I want God's love to so overwhelm you that it does not just cover just the surface you, just the part that people see the part that everyone knows about. Well, what, what Paul is saying is I pray that God's love would so overwhelm you that it would reach so far down and so far back into your story. That God's love would remove any guilt or any shame and he would shift you into his love and into his grace. This is what he's praying for the church in Ephesus. This is what he's praying for us. I, I truly believe that God wants to release you into into your purpose. I believe that. But I think for so many of us, there might be some foundational work that God wants to do first. There might be some things that God wants to do inside of us to help us, to encourage us. It's not something we have to earn. It's not something that we have to chase after, but it's something that God wants to give us I think God's love wants to reach into every part of your story, even the parts of your story that you wish were untrue. I think he wants to reach in every part of your story, even the parts that you wish you could leave behind or forget or not own. Why? Because redeemed pain highlights God's ridiculous grace and his overwhelming love. Remember this whole time we've been trying to answer one question, right? And if I could summarize everything that we've talked about in one sentence, if, if you haven't heard anything that I've said, let me just call you back to this one moment. If you had one thing to take with you, here's, here's what I would hope that you would take with you today. Before your God-given purpose ever expands further, God's love might have to sink deeper. God wants to release you into your purpose, but before your purpose expands any further, God's love might have to sink deeper a little deeper. A growing purpose, a growing calling demands a deeper and truer foundation. What do I mean by that? Some of you have an incredible gift to love other people, but for whatever reason you've been held back, maybe because you haven't really had anybody to love you. And I think today, God wants to redeem that part of your story and release you into your purpose. Some of you have a God-given gift to encourage other people, but you've been held back because there really hasn't been anybody to encourage you. And I think today God wants to redeem that part of your story and release you into your purpose. Some of you have a God-given gift to serve others. It's just how you're hardwired, but there's been something that's holding you back and, and it's that no one has really ever served you. I think today God wants to redeem that part of your story and release you into your purpose. Some of you are gifted to pray for others, but you've never really had anybody to pray for you. I think today God wants to redeem that part of your story and release you into your purpose. Some of you are hardwired. It's how God made you to give to others, but you've been held back because you've never really felt like anybody has given anything to you. And I think today God wants to redeem that part of your story and release you into your purpose. Some of you have a gift to affirm others. You get the picture, right? I think that there is a greater amount of God's love, hear me, that he has set aside for you. It's not for anybody else. That he wants his love to so overwhelm your story, to dig so deep into your story, to go so far back that there is no more guilt and no more shame. I don't think there's any amount of loss, and I wouldn't say this if I didn't believe it. But I truly don't think that there is any amount of loss that God's love is not bigger than. And I don't know your story. But I say that because I believe it with every fiber of my being that I would not be doing you justice today if I didn't tell you that God had more for you. And it's probably in areas of weakness or loss or pain. I think that's what Paul experienced that he could bring people back to that moment in his life because he knew the riches and the glory and the amazing love and grace and mercy that God had set aside for him. And if, and if God could do that for him, why couldn't he do that for you? Before your purpose expands any further, I think God's love wants to sink deeper. And if you're like me, as soon as you walk out of whatever room you're sitting in right now, it's on to the next thing. And our team just wanted to create a moment just to clarify and hopefully crystallize what God might be saying to you. And so the team is gonna come out and they're gonna play a song. And it's not a song that you have to stand for. It's not a song that you have to sing during, although you are more than welcome to do that. But it's just a song to reflect and be quiet. And I just wanna invite you to ask the question, God how do I discover my purpose? What part of my story might you be wanting to draw me back to? And my prayer, and I've been praying for you all week, is that you would experience God's love in a way that you never have before. And I believe that can happen right now, today. I wanna to read this verse as a prayer. And Paul prays this, it's the next two verses in Ephesians. And I just wanna pray these next two verses over you as our, as our team gets ready to play. And this really is, this is my hope. This is my goal for you. Heavenly Father, I pray this for all of my friends here today. I pray that, that they may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know your love that surpasses all knowledge so that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. One more time, God, I just pray that they would have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge so that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's sing together.
1: We see. Just a flame. keeps its work it ours what's sacred
0: that song, talking about God's love, that he doesn't give his heart in pieces. And and what that song says to me is, if God doesn't give his heart in pieces to us, why would we give our heart in pieces to him? That God's love is so overwhelming that it wants to go to every place, every part of your story and redeem it with God's love. I just want to lead you in a time of prayer. Let it not just be my voice. Come on, lift up your voice with me. God, we look to you today and we honor you. We put you in the right place, that you are above all things, that you are all powerful and that you have dominion over every part of our story. And God, I just pray against shame and guilt. May they have no place in our lives that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that you don't hold anything over our heads, but you gave everything for us so that we could walk in liberation, so that we could walk in freedom. And if there's any person under the sound of my voice who is not experiencing that, God, I just pray that you would do a work that only you can do. More than the words that I can say, more than the songs that we can sing, God, I pray that you would bring healing and restoration and rejuvenation to people's souls and their hearts and their minds, and that you would show them once again that that you don't hide yourself from us, that you're not ashamed of us, but that you're proud to be seen with us, that you're proud of us as sons and daughters. And I just pray that all over this room and in every room that we're reaching online, God, I pray that your love would overwhelm people with how much you approve of them, how much you love them, and that you would make them new today, that they would be willing to, to hand over, to surrender the parts of themselves that maybe they're not sure what to do with. And finally, I just pray for anyone under the sound of my voice who isn't just thinking about an area of pain or hurt, but, but their whole life has been pain and hurt. And it's kept them from a relationship with you. And they've seen their pain and their hurt as, as proof that you don't care about them, that you don't want a relationship with them, that you don't want anything to do with them. And God, I pray that you would strike down that lie in Jesus' name. And that you would overwhelm them with your love for them, how you've been chasing after them. And if that's you today, I just want to give you a moment to respond to your creator. And you don't have to stand up, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to do anything to let me know. But just, but just pray this prayer after me to let him know that you want to receive his love today because you do have to receive it. Just pray these words, say, Heavenly Father, I hear you calling after me. I hear you inviting me in and for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time, I want to answer your call and to say yes to the promise that you've said over my life that you'll never leave me or forsake me. Say this, say, I'm so sorry for going my own way. I'm so sorry for taking my life up in my own hands, but I pray that, that you would save me and forgive me and help me walk in newness of life. God, I thank you for every single one of my friends. I thank you for your word and the truth that you have in it. And I pray that it would release people today, that it would empower people today and that it would encourage people today because we gather here for you. And I pray that we would be different from having spent time in your presence. We love you, Jesus. And with everything that we have, we say a good amen and amen.